0: Tiki Hut Media. Pop the top on your favorite beer, or whatever you drink, from Tiki Hut Media. This is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hey there, Jerry here, got my beer cracked open and ready for a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. If you tuned in this past week for our Lenten devotionals that we're doing every Sunday morning, early every Sunday morning through Easter Sunday, we talked about the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit deeper than what we went into on the brief devotional this past Sunday. And it was only recently that I am truly beginning to understand the deep wisdom of this parable. So basically, here's what happens in that parable. A man had two sons. The younger son asked for all his inheritance and ran away from home, quickly wasting all the money on wild living. The son becomes homeless and starving and eventually realized that he could have a better life even if he had lived as a servant in his father's estate. When he returned home years later, he was shocked and amazed by his father's loving embrace and warm welcome. The older brother worked his entire life loyally for his father. So he was very angry when his father showered such blessings onto his younger problematic brother when he returned. The father in the story gives an equally wise and compassionate response to the older son. Let's look first at the younger son. What happens in, a, in our hearts when we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we are fully accepted and unconditionally loved no matter what we do, I am convinced that such radical grace and compassion is the most powerful force for change in the world. The story doesn't tell us what happens to the younger son after he returns home, but I would bet he was forever changed and went on to become an incredible force of love and forgiveness to those around him we may only know how to offer that kind of grace after we have needed it so desperately for ourselves but there is one more important lesson in this story the attitude of the older son and the truth is I have been both sons in different seasons of my life I've certainly been the wasteful and reckless prodigal but I have also been the self-righteous entitled and judgmental older brother and each attitude has its own challenges Despite having everything his entire life, the older brother resents the grace that was shown to his younger sibling. I love the father's gentle response. Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I believe something shifted inside the older son that day. On some deep level, he knew too well that his father would never reject him because he caught a glimpse of his father's true character of unshakable love i love this story because it teaches me that although i have been both sons life is a journey toward becoming a gentle and compassionate person one who can love through reckless and repulsive behavior and never lose hope i know this will never be easy but the story does give us something to aim for Be sure to check out the full version of the story. Open up your Bible or your Bible app on your phone and go to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Jesus was nothing if not zealous. Jesus sees possibilities where we too often see failure. Jesus believes in those who have quit believing in themselves. Jesus makes a way where there is no way. That's exactly who Jesus is. And lest we forget... God is at least as nice as Jesus, which also means that God is at least as zealous as Jesus, because Jesus, as Paul reminds us, is the fullness of God revealed. God is not merely sitting idly by watching the world spin down the toilet. God is showing up in places, flipping the tables of complacency, and is probing us to wonder about the way things are so that we might move to where things can be. Taking a step back from Jesus' temple tantrum, if you will, when the tables overturned and the moneylenders cowering in the corner, it's not hard to imagine the headline in the next issue of the Jerusalem Times. It probably would read, Jesus, the disturber of the peace. There have always been disruptors and disturbers of the peace, those zealots who shake up the status quo. And yet, the peace disturbed by Jesus that day and still disturbs today, was no real peace. The weak and the marginalized were getting abused and forced into economic hardships, all while God's blessings were being construed as something to be purchased or earned. And then God in Christ shows up to remind us there is no real transformation without disruption. Faithful following is only ever possible because of disruption and dislocation. Otherwise, we're doomed to remain exactly as we are, and for some of us and it doesn't sound too bad some of us would do quite well if things remained exactly as they are but God is in the business of making something from nothing or taking us from here to over there of deliverance change real change good change is never painless it's why we put crosses in our sanctuaries an ever-present reminder of what happens should any of us start asking all of the right questions We have a method for dealing with those disturbers of the peace, and yet it only takes a quick glance at the great stories of history to be reminded that the most important shifts from one thing to another have always come because of disruption. We can point to the real change makers of the world, those who refuse to accept things as they were, but Jesus, whether we like it or not, is the most striking example of disruption, dislocation, and painful challenge To our status quo. Ever since he showed up, we've never really been able to return to normal because God in Christ is marching on, all while bringing us along for the ride. Zeal for your house will consume me, the psalmist writes, and the disciples apply to Jesus. And they were right. The zeal Jesus had for a new day did consume him, so much so that we killed him for it. But even the grave could not stop our disturber of the peace. It's been a while since we've had some good news on Soul Ramblings podcast. Good news, everyone. Our good news story comes to us from West Virginia. Merrill Pittman Cooper of Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, donned cap and gown on March 19th to attend his graduation ceremony more than 80 years after he dropped out of school. According to a press release on the website for Jefferson County Schools in Harpers Ferry, Cooper attended Storer College, a normal school that closed in 1955 and now a historic national park. He was taking college prep classes but was forced to leave school in 1938. The press release explained life circumstances intervened when he moved with his mother to Philadelphia for financial reasons during his high school senior year. He lived in Philadelphia for the next 50 years, pursuing a career in transportation and rising to the position of union vice president. Cooper visited the former Storer College in 2018 and expressed regret for not graduating. His family contacted the school. Several agencies worked together to bestow Cooper's honorary diploma, including Jefferson County Schools, Harper's Ferry National Historic Park, the Storer College National Alumni Association, the West Virginia Department of Education, and Cooper's extended family. That's this week's good news story. If you have a good news story that we haven't run across yet, be sure to send it to us via email. Our email is soulramblingspodcast at gmail.com. We'll be right back after this short break. The law firm of Becker and Lindauer represent victims all over the state of Florida. All too often, insurance companies try to convince injured motorists, passengers, pedestrians, and other injured claimants to accept less than their case is worth. Whether it be a car crash, a trucking accident, a motorcycle wreck, a bicycle accident, or an injured pedestrian it is imperative that you have legal representation to assist you. Becker and Lindauer are dedicated to putting their decades of legal experience to work for you. With proven results, Becker and Lindauer is ready to fight for you. With 45 years of combined experience in personal injury law, the team of Dave and Danielle are highly qualified and ready to help you. Call today for a free consultation, 941-567-6728. Again, area code 941-567-6728 or visit Becker and Lindauer online at the website in the show notes. Wherever you're listening to us today on Soul Ramblings Podcast, if you're listening on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Amazon Music, wherever you're listening... Be sure to click the subscribe button and you'll never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. You can also get social with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to both of those pages are in the show notes of this episode. Go over there and like and follow us and shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. You know, when we call on God, we're asking him to do something that we can't. To bring into being something that we ourselves do not know how to create. We are seeking for the impossible to happen. Or something to be changed that we could never change we are asking for a history to unfold for which we ourselves could never be responsible the question is do we have the faith that through our prayer the status quo can be shattered can we believe that at our call Christ will come among us to judge and save? when we ask for the Holy Spirit are we ready for God to strike us like a burst of flaming lightning so that At last, we experience Pentecost. Do we really believe that God's kingdom is imminent? Are we capable of believing that through our pleading, this kingdom will break in? Are we able to believe that as a result of our prayer, the entire history of the world will be turned topsy-turvy? Let us come to God in the absolute certainty that Jesus' words are true. The kingdom of God has drawn near. And if you have faith, nothing will be impossible for you. Wonders will occur. Mountains will be torn from their place. And the whole situation as it is on earth will be changed. Mighty things will happen when we have faith. It's dangerous to call on God in this way, for it means we are ready not only to be lifted from our place, but to also be hurled down from our place. So let's concentrate all our power on Jesus' nearness, on the silent coming of the Holy Spirit ready for everything to be changed by his intervention prayer must never replace work if we sincerely ask God for his will to be done for his nature to be revealed in our work for his rule to bring humankind to unity justice and love then our life will be one of work faith without works is dead prayer without work is hypocrisy unless we actively work to build up God's kingdom the Lord's Prayer your kingdom come Is a lie on our lips the purpose of Jesus prayer is to bring us to the point where its meaning is lived out where it actually happens and becomes part of history each of us needs to find a way to devote our whole working strength so that God is honored his will is done and his kingdom comes unless our love for Jesus results in deeds our connection to the tree of life will wither in addition if we're going to endure the weight of evil and suffering in this world we must not only ask God to forgive our sins but that he would grant us the love that forgives everyone all the evil they have done to us if our prayer is genuine if we really want nothing but the kingdom of God then we will think of all the regions of the world we'll call on God to intervene in the history of the nations the history of classes and ranks the history that has brought injustice to a climax. We will call on him to come with his judgment and to let his righteousness and peace break in like the dawn. This should be our prayer and the prayer of the church. I know firsthand and have worked with far too many people who had been told truly hurtful things by people I knew who were trying to be helpful. But I also knew that people who offered that help often said things that were ill-informed and shaped by assumptions that were anything but biblical or Christian in character. One of the main points behind my opinion of all this is that God is not the author of mayhem, misery, illness, or misfortune. We may occasionally bring it on ourselves, as in the case of a lifelong addiction or cruelty to others. Choices have consequences, and there are characteristics of life that, like the law of gravity, cannot be ignored. At other times, we often visit misery on others, as in the case of murder and senseless wars. And perhaps, even more often, suffering just happens, as in the case of accidents, earthquakes, and cancer. But God is never its author. Apart from the fact that it is a misreading of Scripture to assume that God arbitrarily torments people, the other difficulty with that kind of thinking is that it makes God really a moral monster, particularly in the case of random suffering the notion that God singles out one person for cancer another for a heart attack and still lets someone else live a long life and a carefree life is akin to thinking that God is someone who carries out cruel and pointless experiments on animals or small children and being bigger doesn't make that kind of behavior more moral the other thing that I believe and, and I always have and still do is that God doesn't permit or allow specific kinds of suffering to happen. This has often been a fallback position for people who want to believe that all suffering is somehow fated to happen, but who recognize the moral problem with suggesting that God targets people for suffering. The distinction goes, God didn't will this to happen, but he allowed it to happen. The problem with this approach is that very little more than a semantic difference between saying God willed something to happen and that God selectively allows things to happen, that really causes a conflict. I may not force my child into traffic, for example, but I may allow her to walk into traffic. See how ridiculous that sounds? But I am certain that Child Protective Services would not be impressed with that distinction. I understand why Jesus' contemporaries and Job's friends thought this way, and I understand why people think this way even today. All of us struggle when we see other people suffer. In part, our desire to find an easy explanation comes from what the Germans call Schadenfreude or shame joy, that strange conflicting feeling of both relief at having escaped the misery that others encounter and the shame we feel at our joy or relief. At some level, we know that others don't deserve to suffer. And we also know that we don't deserve to get off scot-free. So we resort to the assumption that God is behind it all. It relieves us of the task of examining our own lives and behavior. It spares us the need to show compassion to those who labor under their misfortune. And it buys us the emotional distance that allows us to get back to our own lives. On another level... It appears to make sense of events that don't make any sense. We stitch together the idea that God makes or allows suffering to happen with the assumption that God must have had some hidden purpose in making it happen, and suddenly we can wrap a narrative around an experience that doesn't seem to have a point. Things like, God did this to test your faithfulness, to strengthen you, to work through you, to touch others. And we can point to just enough examples of people we have met where those things have happened, and it all seems plausible to us. Basically, it comes down to this. We're not better than others. The balance of fortune and misfortune in our lives is no measure of our virtue. Draw close to God, seek his forgiveness, receive his mercy, put your life in God's hands. We'll be right back after this short break you are not only saving a child's life, you're breathing life back into that family. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. At St. Jude, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Because of you. Because of you. Because of you. There is St. Jude. Donate now at stjude.org. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. There's a lot of podcasts out there, and I know you could you could choose any number of podcasts to listen to, and you've chosen to spend your time listening to Soul Rambling's podcast today, and I really, really, really do not take that for granted and appreciate it. Be sure to join us this Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning during the season of Lent, we have a short Lenten devotional, and week five comes up this Sunday hope to see you here then. Here's a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. I'm Jerry Wicker. Until next time on Soul Ramblings podcast, drink responsibly, keep the conversation going, grace, peace, cheers. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.